the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And now a word from one of our Bible Live sponsors. Our company is so proud and excited to sponsor the Bible Live. As a businessman, I have to make decisions every day about how to best invest time, personnel, and resources for the best return and results. The scriptures say there are two things on earth that will last forever, God's Word and the souls of people. It's my hope that you, your family, your church, and perhaps even your business will pray about giving a tax-deductible donation to the Bible Live at this time. Together, let's expand this historic broadcast of the scriptures to other cities across our nation. A sound investment for both time and eternity. You can donate by credit card at the Bible Live website, www.thebiblelive.com. Or mail your check for the Bible Live to P.O. Box 18888. That's P.O. Box 18888, San Antonio, Texas 78218. Welcome to the Bible Live Quiz Hour. It's time to test and grow your knowledge of the Bible. The entire Bible every year. On Sunday nights at 9, join us here for the Bible Live Quiz Hour. Sophie will ask questions from the Bible Live leads. You call in with the correct answers and you win. It's just that simple. So get out your Bible, put on your thinking cap, and hit that speed dial. Because here's the host of The Bible Live, your Apache Indian scout through the book of books, Soapy Dollar. Hello, everybody. We are in the studio with you tonight, ready to go. It, Jacob is here. Uh, hang on, Jacob. Are you not hearing anything? When you move the button, I hear nothing now. Okay, John, there's something wrong here because uh, we need to get some technical help here. But welcome, everybody, to the Bible Live broadcast. Uh, Soapy here. Jacob is across the uh, studio from me. The ocean. Uh, Does this need to be turned on, John, right here? Does that button need to be pushed? No. No, okay. So, good. We're... um, Going to going to push on forward. Jacob's getting his microphone fixed up uh, tonight. This past week, we read the final chapters of the book of Second Kings. So we're going to spend some time tonight, uh, kind of going over the message and the history that is covered in the books of First and Second Kings in the uh, Tanakh and the Hebrew Scriptures. Now remember, First and Second Kings were originally one book uh, written together, one history, uh, and they were divided, uh, I think, at the time of the writing of the, uh, what is it, the, about 350 years before uh, B.C. I think it, it was the translation of the Hebrew uh Scriptures to Greek, right? Was that when the uh, when the dividing of the the books, First Second Chronicles, First Second Kings, First Second Samuel? Yeah, yeah. That, I I think that's about right. Yeah, 
anyway, they got they got split up for actually probably more practical reasons in terms of uh, writing and the instruments they use and the, and the materials they used uh, for any, than anything else. But anyway, the two are together. And we're going to spend some time tonight talking about the books of First and Second Kings. This is a history. Uh, covering the time, what was it? The times of uh, Saul, David, Solomon, and then mainly in Second Kings, we're dealing with the divided kingdom, Rehoboam yeah, and Jeroboam, is, yeah, right? There's no doubt that you start off with this good situation, uh, Samuel, and then it goes into Saul, then you get a good guy, David, mm-hmm. and then there's no doubt about that. And I think the purpose of the story is to show us they just went into a tailspin. Mm-hmm. They just kept getting worse and worse and mm-hmm. worse. And uh, they fought with each other, they fought with other people, and the whole thing started to crumble. I think that's a good word, decay and crumble. Mm-hmm. And of course, as you said, then they split into two countries. What we call Israel. Israel is located in what was called Samaria. There's more than one Samaria. That's the confusion. Ten tribes in the north, right? The, the ten tribes went to the north. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the Judah and Benjamin were in the south, and what they retained the name Judah. Mm-hmm. But the ten tribes picked up the name Israel, and as you go through the portion in Kings tonight, you'll see it's called uh, Israel in Samaria. Mm-hmm. That's why they're trying to make it a difference between the country of Samaria. Okay. So it gets a little complicated and it you does. almost need you almost need a score sheet whenever you read the first and second kings in particular and maybe even chronicles but mainly first and second kings because you're tracking the history of the kings both of the north, the descendants, those who came after Jeroboam, uh, when they initially split, there was Re- Rehoboam was the son of Solomon, and then Jeroboam uh, was in the Davidic lineage, if I remember correctly. Wasn't Jeroboam somewhere? Was, but anyway, he had fled to Egypt. Uh, and but but he came back and became the king of the ten northern tribes, and then you start tracking the kings separately. They have a separate history. Of course, they're right there together. There there are sometimes when they pull together and and unite almost together, but then other times when they they fight each other and so on. So it's a it's a very uh, difficult. You have to really know what you're reading when you read the books of First and, and Second Kings. And the truth kings. is, if you don't have somebody that's familiar with it, kind of the Delineating it and saying this is what we're talking about. What happens is, is you end up very confused. And then, even beyond that, now the ten northern tribes, uh, the split took place in. Oh my goodness! I, I usually have that date I, right. I on actually the, think you have it as one of your questions. Do I? I think you do. When was the split? It was. Uh, if you look on any. If you if you look on any a kind of a calendar or if you have a study Bible, it'll tell you when uh, the forty years that that uh, Saul reigned, the forty years that David reigned, and then Solomon reigned forty years. They kind of now these weren't clean reigns. In other words, uh, when they say David reigned for forty years, well, the first what ten or so years he was only on over Judah and, and uh, uh, Judah. 
and Benjamin in the south, but then he became the king of all the other tribes. And so, but they put that all together to 40 years. So it's kind of handy for us who try to track and remember our biblical genealogies and history. Uh, each of the kings reigned for 40 years. You know, there was uh, Saul, and then there was David, then there was jo- Solomon. But then Solomon is, uh, when they when they divided, when was that? That was somewhere around... You know, you had the date here, and I don't know without looking at the date. Yeah. uh, Uh, They would normally be easy to remember. But anyway, the ten northern tribes. I try to remember it abnormally. the, The ten northern tribes didn't last as long as Judah and, and, and uh, Benjamin in the south. The ten northern tribes were captured by Assyria in the uh, in the north with their capital of Nineveh. Remember uh, Jonah and, and the whale you know, and him going to preach to the people of Nineveh? Uh, they were a constant threat oppressing uh, the ten northern tribes from from the north they came down and captured in 722 BC so they didn't last as long and uh, the Judah and Benjamin lasted until 586 BC so and that was when Nebuchadnezzar came over with the Babylonians so we they have these separate histories uh, you track the different king the different kings and the royalty the different leaders uh, and then you come to 722 the tribes in the north were taken away, and they were never restored, right? They were never restored back to the land. That's what we call the ten lost tribes. That's the term the people use. People yes. use that mm-hmm. tribe to, to talk about. They were scattered, I guess, is the idea. They were scattered mm-hmm. out through the mm-hmm. different nations of the world. Is that? It is, except uh, as a point of interest mm-hmm. in the Christian scriptures in the New Testament, you'll find references to the so-called ten tribes being there. I'll give you one prime example. The book of James. It begins with, and that's in the New Testament, Mm -hmm. um, it says, this letter he writes, to the twelve tribes scattered abroad. So, either he's got hopes that if he puts a bottle in the water, they're going to get it, or he was sending it and knew where they were located. Mm Mm-hmm. Interesting. And you and even in the book of Romans you're gonna find references to it. And yeah, I think James, once in the book of Acts. It says James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes uh-huh. which are scattered abroad. Now some people think that that's because James was written after AD seventy and therefore he's including the twelve tribes because now the Judah and Benjamin also have been scattered, right? Because of the uh, the destruction of the temple in AD 70 and so on. Why would he say the, the 12 tribes are scattered? Because well, the, the Benjamin, even, even if it, no matter what happened with Judah, 12 includes the 10. Right, exactly. So he seems to either have great hopes they're going to hear about it, or he knows where he's sending his letter. Yeah, I see. They are, yeah. Well, even Paul, he goes to Corinth, he goes to Ephesus, he goes to all of these different cities and all of his mission journeys and of course the Jews are scattered. They are in those different cities. Well there are references in Acts. There's references in Romans. Yeah. So there seems to be in New Testament times seems to be some knowledge of where they're at. Yeah. Um, And so I I, I think that uh, and and the prophecy is, is that the ten tribes shall return. Now 
And that the Messiah is going to have something to do with that, well, right? Actually, is that the idea? I'm going to actually, yes, because as I read it, and listen, I, and look, we all agree, and we were talking before the show, that uh, I, what I'm presenting is, I, I got to admit, from a, a paradigm of a, a Jewish point of view. Uh-huh. So that doesn't mean I'm right. right. People can 100% disagree with me. But, um, of course, I like to quote Mark Twain and say <laughs> the smartest of people agree with me. Uh-huh. But uh, so I present this as what I try to make it dovetail, make it make sense with what mm-hmm. knowledge and tradition mm-hmm. is. So it is understood that the Messiah shall lead the so-called Messington tribes mm-hmm. back to Israel. Mm-hmm. Well, um, and he shall lead them out of bondage. I personally think, without getting off track tonight, I think that's what that story about is when he was taken down to Egypt and he comes back up that road because he passes the tomb of Rachel. Mm-hmm. Well, you'll find references in the book of Jeremiah that says Rachel was weeping. Mm-hmm. Why was she weeping? Because that's the road they were led away captive on. But, and so he's going to lead them back past the tomb of Rachel. In fact, when you read Jeremiah, it says, and Rachel will then rejoice. So mm-hmm. she stopped crying. Now, So mm-hmm. I think that's what that story is about. But, hey, I could be wrong. But more importantly, uh, Jesus tells a story in the Gospels mm-hmm. about the ten virgins. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, would you play a little, a little game with me for a second? Uh Yes, I will. Uh, uh, but not right now. <laughs> no, I, I just wanted to get put in one thought there that you've put in my mind already is that, uh, and it's a little bit of a program note as well. We started this last week. We finished up the books of First and Second Kings, and Friday night we had our first reading from the New Testament book of the Acts, uh, uh, Acts chapters one through four. And I guess what I want to, wanted to say is that, frankly, good, I'm, I'm glad we're doing it this way because I think if you can clarify to us and make it clear to us about the history of particularly the ten tribes in the north uh, that they were taken by the, the Assyrians, by Nineveh, and so on, and how <coughs> what happened to them, how that they were not returned, because the land did get filled back in. The the Assyrians actually transported people from other nations, uh, other people groups, uh, to that. That's that's why the Assyrians controlled people, is they moved them out of their land and they put them in. They migrated them to another land and. Uh, and so there we have this that is the basis that's the history historical background of this reality we see in the new testament in the gospels and in the book of acts this reality of uh samaria and this idea of uh, the samaritan people in the north the samaritans were uh they weren't jews they were they were people who had been transported from the time of the kings right Right, it's the idea. So, yeah. so if you can kind of help, well, and, make and, us understand sure. that. And you and I were discussing, and I believe it got a little, uh, a little, perhaps uh, tense. But mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. we were discussing before the show mm-hmm. about like the woman at the well, John chapter four, with Jesus, and uh, and people want to say the issue was, uh, which is not correct about 
mixed race. That's not the reason. But did the Jews dislike the Samaritans? I would say 90, 95% did. Uh-huh. I don't think they liked them. But it wasn't racial. It was. That's my only point. It, it is nowhere in the Bible that says it's a mixed race. That, sadly, is a has become, may I say, sadly, a secular and even Christian myth. That's not true. Yeah. There's no place in the Bible that says that. But what is in the Bible is, as you well point out, that when um, the northern kingdom was taken away by Assyria, and as you said, they the way they controlled people, they would transport them to a separate country that they had no allegiance to, and they'd pick those people up and move them somewhere else. That's what they did. So Assyria, they did end up, and there's actually a passage here uh-huh. uh, that we'll look at tonight, hopefully, and it says that after they took them away, they marched all the way down, I think it's uh, chapter 17, we'll get there, uh-huh. and they marched all the way down to Jerusalem and confronted Hezekiah in Jerusalem. Yeah. Well, there you go. So, this, this, when they were transported over there, they did bring their own gods, own altars, own religion with them. And I think even that might have been okay. But I think there was, I, I think it's fair to say that they were, the Jews probably very much disliked having people put in their country like that, forced to accept them. And I know the Jews that were taken over to where they were transported to, the native They were pop, resented as the well. The native population sure didn't like the Jews over there either. Yeah. So well, nobody the, liked the other one. But I... I, I think when I take all things considered, all the different dynamics of this from the reli- uh, religious point of view, and so because already too, there was already a certain barrier. There was already a rupture in the in the Jewish. Hmm, what can I, the ten tribes were already apostate. Right? Absolutely. So the ten yes. tribes were already setting up. One hundred percent. They were not using the Levites. They were not. Uh, so so they were already, uh, to some degree, separated on religious grounds, not, not racial or, or ethnicity. But then when this later thing happened and the, and the, and the, Jews in the northern ten tribes were taken into um, to exile and never returned. And then you have the, these foreign people brought in with their with different gods and, and entirely. Mm-hmm. It really led to a, a tremendous, uh, I, I would say, a, a lot of, of of social confusion and and rupture and resentments of all kinds. Now, I'm and sure. let me ask you: Is there a larger principle at work here? Oh, I'm sure there is. Uh, yeah. And I'm sure you know what it is. Well, the larger principle, I think, is this. Uh-huh. There was a reason why God, in the Torah, set the boundaries of all nations. Now, he gave. we all know that as people say Israel was given to the Jews. Uh-huh. Okay. But there's a commandment in Deuteronomy that they can't take Edom or Esau's land or other lands. Moab, Egypt. They cannot. Mm-hmm. So the one thing we fail to sometimes recognize is, yes, God said, okay, Israel, this is your piece of property. And you guys, that's yours. And they told the Jews, now, you don't take other people's property. That What belongs to you is what I gave you, Israel. Mm-hmm. And as far as I know, there's never been a war of land conquest among the Jews except for one 
isolated incident, which actually leads ultimately to this rebellion of Rehoboam and the Ten Tribes. Do you mm-hmm. know what it is? Mm-hmm. Rehoboam and it. Okay, it leads to that. No, no. Okay, when they're coming up, remember, what did God tell Moses and everybody? He said, when you cross this river, that land over there is yours. Right? Uh-huh. I do not know of any land conquest. But, but there was a group that asked for the land on the Two and a half on tribes. The uh-huh. said, you know, we really like the land here. How about if we stay here? So Moses said, okay, you can stay. Now, if we start applying this together, uh, those two and a half tribes were the first ones conquered by the Assyrians. Whoa, is the story fitting together now? Yes. And, uh, what was it? Manasseh? Yeah, Manasseh, uh, um, Ephraim, or half, uh, half a tribe, Manasseh, Ephraim, and uh, the other one. Yeah, the other one. But uh, anyway, so, but who gave them permission? Moses. What was Moses' mission? To deliver Israel into the land of Israel. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Therefore, he couldn't enter. He he could see it from the mountaintop. And actually, the words are fascinating because it's futuristic. So the reason that Moses was... Don't step on my point. I got one sentence. Because what he could see, the the words in the Torah is that he says, let me see. And the way the words are written in a futuristic sense, in other words, he just didn't see the land. He saw the entire future of Mm -hmm. Israel. I'm sorry. So the reason... uh, uh, It's interesting. I've never connected that decision to allow... um, those two and a half tribes uh, I can't remember that other That's tribe right. Manasseh and the half tribe uh, Ephraim and the yeah. half tribe of Manasseh, Manasseh. but yeah. in other words that the that is part of the reason that Moses was not allowed to enter the promised land well, did he it, it wasn't entirely just did that he, he hit the rock instead of with hitting the, water. the rock is a euphemism uh-huh okay uh, did he fulfill his God-sent mission? The answer is no. Okay. He did because not Because he... He let two and a half tribes stay on the other side. Okay. And so that could be viewed, and I, I think it does. I see. They, that was the beginning that they could split. So the principle is, now there's a reason that God said, uh, these, everybody has their own land. Because I think God is pretty sharp, and he said people develop their own religions, their own culture... They're not going to like being pushed around and conquered. And as we were talking, and I want to make sure you know that I do agree with you, that the Jews probably did not get along well with most of the Samaritans. They didn't like them being there. Mm-hmm. I think that's a fair thing to say. Because uh, I know that the other well, people... Well, they didn't get along much better with... I mean, Benjamin and Judah didn't get along much better with the ten tribes of Israel that were up there. Well, actually, that's what they I fought that, with each other. They, yes, that's what I'm wanting to actually kind of get to. Okay. Um, so, that's the history. That's what we're going to look at. Hopefully, tonight we'll get into some actual stuff. Mm-hmm. So, if that story took place and you knew that story and you're familiar with it, and then Jesus is walking around, mm-hmm. uh, prophet, Messiah, or whatever you want to mm-hmm, think mm-hmm, of, him, mm-hmm. and he starts telling the story. You would have to recognize what in the world he's talking about, because exactly. otherwise, he would, when he tells the stories of the ten virgins, um, people, if, if the story, he never in the story explains what he means by ten virgins. He gives this parable, evidently parable, and everybody today says, oh, I know, it means this, it means that. Well, maybe it does and maybe it doesn't. Uh-huh. But the people listening would have known the story about the ten so-called messing tribes. And this is what's interesting. 
And that was the game I was going to ask if you'd play with me for a second. Well, that's what I want us to come and back I, after I the break not. here. I want us to come back to this and give you a chance to really lay out this this idea. Because I hope you do remember the, the story in the New Testament, folks. I think it's in the book of Matthew. Yeah, tell them, tell them. That uh, Jesus tells this parable. There is these ten, vir- then ten virgins attending a wedding, and some of them have oil for their lamps, and, and five of them do not have enough oil for the lamp, right? Am I getting the idea back? And you hear a lot of messages and preaching about it, and and that's perfectly appropriate. In other words, there are two, two ways to look at Scripture. One is that you, you, you can look at it in, from a kind of a very historical, you want to know what the person said, who he said it to, what, what did he intend to say, what did he mean when he said it. And, and, and that's a generally the way we're, the approach we're taking here uh, as we look at the Bible stories and the, these, uh, the Bible history. So you want to know what, what was Jesus really saying, what was really going through his mind. Now, the other thing is just preaching. Pre- preachers take the, the Old and New Testament. They take passages all the time. And they, they will take it out of its immediate historical consequence uh, context, but they will, t- they will teach a, an important lesson about how to treat each other, about honesty, or they'll treat, they'll, they will bring out a perfectly legitimate lesson about from the scriptures from that given story. And, and that's perfectly legitimate. The prophets themselves did it uh, in, in the Old Testament. They would sometimes take an incident and 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 uh, kind of isolate and make a lesson out of it about what God is doing or what the people did or you know the consequences of their actions. So that's you know preaching uh, can now as long as you're making a legitimate biblical point. That's the, you don't want to take a Bible story and a Bible situation and make a totally uh, a totally contradictory point that contradicts other other biblical truth. Uh, so th- in other words, there is that. Explanation. What we're going to come back and talk about in our second segment is uh, Jacob is showing us how the books of First and Second Kings, the history we read about in the books of First and Second Kings, how that it is what essentially leads us now into the New Testament times of the Gospels because the people in the Gospels, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and now in the book of Acts that we're now going to be reading, they are living out the consequences and the realities of, of, of uh, p- movements of people groups and the, the, the Assyrians conquering the ten northern tribes and the Babylonians conquering the ten uh, Judah and Benjamin in the south, they are living now the, the long-term consequences of that. And so uh, Jacob is helping us tie together those different uh, those different parts of the scriptures. Well, yeah, maybe you can, when we come back, you can tell people the, the actual story that Jesus says. Maybe in the yeah, story. yeah, and, and we'll talk about in that context this parable of the ten virgins. And and I will tell you that I'm going to give you a different point of view, and nobody has to agree. You but have been I will warned. give you a different point. Of view. We have been warned, uh, and that's what we pay you the big bucks for. It, all right. Well, there's our music. Our first segment is gone. We've kind of laid the foundation of what we want to talk about tonight. We'll come back and talk about uh, Judah, the, you know, the kingdom divided and the kingdoms taken into exile and so on, and how that affects the New Testament and the teachings even of Jesus the Messiah. 
210-340-9585 if you want to join us. Dr. Stan Shelton with offices at Loop 410 and Broadway has taken care of the dollar family that Suzanne and me plus our three children for the past 25 years. Suzanne, tell the folks about our dentist. Well, like you say, Dr. Shelton is a dentist for a lifetime. He's got the latest technology. He's busy, but I've never had to wait. And I never dread going to the dentist. In fact, he and his staff are so personable that I actually rather enjoy it. Go to DrShelton.com or call 590-7878. Come again and again to God in the Scriptures to hear what He has to say. Thanks for joining us for another daily encouragement from the Our Daily Bread devotional. Today's reading, titled Come and Get It, was written by David Roper. I peeked over the grape stake fence that encloses our backyard. There I saw folks running, jogging, walking, and shuffling around the track that surrounds the park behind our home. I used to do that when I was stronger, I thought, and a wave of dissatisfaction washed over me. Later, while reading the scriptures, I came across Isaiah 55.1, Come, all you who are thirsty. And I realized again that dissatisfaction, thirst, is the rule, not the exception in this life. Nothing, not even the good things of life, can fully satisfy. If I had strong legs like a Sherpa, a mountain climbing guide, there would still be something else in my life that I'd be unhappy about. Our culture is always telling us in one way or another that something we do, buy, wear, spray on, roll on, or ride in will give us endless pleasure. But that's a lie. We can't get complete satisfaction from anything in the here and now, no matter what we do. Rather, Isaiah invites us to come again and again to God in the Scriptures to hear what he has to say. And what does he say? His love for David of old is everlasting and faithful. And that goes for you and me as well. We can come to Him. You'll find more helpful tools and resources when you download the Our Daily Bread mobile app. Go to getodbtoday.org. Today's encouragement was provided by our Daily Bread Ministries. Remember when there was a radio in every room in the house? Well, those days are back. And thanks to Alexa, you can listen to us anywhere. Find out how you can get AM630 The Word through Alexa by going to am630theword.com. Hey, this is Bob Olszewski. Thanks for listening to Plugged In. The last time we checked in with sister duo Allie and AJ, they were bouncing back from a decade-long musical hiatus with their 80s-theme EP, Ten Years. Two years later, they're still clinging to the coattails of those retro vibes with their latest single, Church. I do bad things, can't you see it on my face? I get caught in every lie. This synth poppy tune finds the sisters singing about their sins and perhaps seeking redemption for them. But it's not clear from the lyrics that they're quite ready to leave all of those sins behind. And the song's barely clothed music video tends to support that suggestion. For a full review of the song, check out PluggedIn.com slash radio. I'm Bob Olszewski for Focus on the Family, Plugged In. 
Find out more about your favorite programs and the ministries on AM630 The Word by going to the program guide at am630theword.com. There, you'll get connected to the ministry website, email, and phone number. Plus, find out when your favorite show airs on the program guide at am630theword.com. Listening to the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Back on one of the great, great, great songs from the last couple, what, two or three years that uh, broke all kinds of records and crossed over from uh, religious music over into the uh, secular world as well. Just an amazing song. I can only imagine. And of course, if you've seen the movie, you saw the story behind the song. Uh, the man, the right one who wrote the music, and uh, what inspired the writing of that music. If you haven't seen that movie, I can only imagine. Uh, Is I, that I the think name of the would, movie? You would really, really enjoy it. Is that the name of the movie? Uh huh. I can only imagine. I can only imagine. Oh, okay. I seen that. And movie. it's also the name of the song. I went to the movie <clears> at <throat> the theater and saw it's it. Quite a story. It's expensive yeah, though. Yeah, yeah. I don't know about. You. Yeah, well, that's because you get all those freebies. I got to pay. <laughs> I don't know about that either. But anyway, let's get back to our topic. Right. We're Why talking about the books of First and Second Kings and their relationship now to the New Testament. I'm not going to ask you to play the game anymore. The I tried that twice. But would you uh, – uh, why don't you tell people a synopsis of Jesus talking about the ten – Virgins. Uh, let's find out where that is. It's the book of Matthew. Um, I'm sure you have it written down there, right? Don't you? Oh, I, I, I don't know. It's, um, is it chapter 25, perhaps? Um, let me see. I didn't come prepared. By the way, it's the uh, Matthew, Reuben, Gad, and half of Manasseh. Right, Reuben, Gad, and the half child. Well, we did not share with the audience, so I want Okay, to so let me see if I can find that uh, particular... Uh, that particular parable, I, I I I will confess, I did not come prepared to talk about the book of Matthew. Well, it's okay. But, I just want to mention that Jesus talks about ten virgins. Yeah, yeah, and I want to find it uh, so that folks can follow along with us. Um, where was that? Uh, the ten – oh, boy, I don't know. I don't know how – I'll keep Googling it. Well, it's okay. Don't worry about it. It's ten, just tell from the – Typically, you know the how. ten virgins are about – uh, th- th- these virgins, they go to the wedding. It has to do with the Jewish wedding ceremony. Uh, and they're waiting for the bride and the groom to show up. And uh, five of them run out of oil so that they have to go back to their – they have to go back to wherever their homes are or whatever to finally – they tried to borrow oil from the five others, but they wouldn't loan it to them because – May I interrupt? It's chapter 25 of Matthew. Thank you. Is it? Okay, so the five uh, with oil didn't want to risk running out of oil themselves, so they didn't give them any oil. And so the five uh, without oil left, and while they were gone, the bridegroom and the bride showed up, and they went into the festival, into the party. Everybody went inside, and so when they got back, they were already too late. The door had closed, and they were not able to join the party. And... 
people preach on that message. Uh, I mean, they uh, take the, I, what we're, we're going to try to talk about tonight is what what did Jesus have in mind when he told the story? What was actually Jesus of Nazareth, this Jewish rabbi? What was he talking and thinking about when he told this story? In our in our uh, Christian churches, uh, different denominations, and so on, I've heard sermons preached about that parable, and uh, like I said, they some of them said, "Well, it's about being prepared when Jesus comes back. It's about you know having oil, and oil is usually uh, a, a number of times is thought to represent the Holy Spirit." And so they did not have uh, the Holy Spirit, and so they were not prepared. And when Jesus returned, uh, they were left outside because they – and it's an idea of get your heart right with God before Jesus returns. And, and you can't – there's not going to be any getting your heart right with God after he returns if you're not you know, right with him before. You know, in other words, that's a time of judgment. So that's that's been that's taught generally speaking I'd I'd say around the Christian world. Um let me see what he's saying. I can read He he wants to give out the phone number. Oh, I did. I I gave it out as we went out, but I'll give it again. If you'd like to join our conversation and your thoughts about that particular um parable oh. in Matthew chapter 25, the phone number is 210-340-9585. We'd love to have you join in and give us your thought. Now and, uh, wait, Jacob, and, and if it's the same phone number, even if you want to disagree. That's fine, yeah. But Jacob wants to tell us, and I think this is a, a wonderful. I, I, I've heard you talk about this before, and I'm slowly but surely getting the idea of it. And it's perfectly uh, feasible. I, it sounds feasible to me that it might have been what Jesus was saying, uh, but, but I'm not to the point where I'm absolutely sure about yeah. it. So tell us the idea of when Jesus well, talks okay. about... These ten virgins coming to the the uh, wedding. Uh, let me see. You say it's in chapter twenty five at the beginning. Yeah. At the beginning of the of the. Uh, oh yeah, the kingdom of heaven shall be like to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were wise and five were foolish. Those who were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them, but the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. But while the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight a cry was heard, Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out to meet him. Then all the virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish one said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise said, No, lest you, there should be not be enough for us, but go to those who sell and buy yourselves oil. And while they went to buy the oil, the bridegroom came. And those who were ready went in with him to the wedding, and the door was shut. And afterward, the other virgins came and said, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he said, Assuredly, I, I say to you, I don't know you. Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. Uh, and so the, the whole idea. And then he goes into another uh, series of of um, messages, uh, the ten talents, uh, five talents, I'm ta- uh, I mean. Is the next parable he tells, and it's about somebody again not being prepared uh, and not, you know, not spiritually being prepared to to be a part of the plan, the redemptive plan of God, and so they're left out. They're left out of it. You know, in other words, they're not saved. They don't go to heaven. 
So that's the idea that we pick up in the the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 25. But you want to give us another thought that, that Jesus may have had in mind when he's telling this story. It's a Jewish teacher talking to Jewish people. And so you you're, you want to draw from the history of the Book of Kings. Well, yeah. I have really tried to make this make sense to me. And may I be candid. Mm-hmm. When I read that, I said, now, wait a minute. As I've always been told about Jesus, he's a, he's a savior, a messiah, a sweetheart, a real good guy. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to get around the verse that you just read that says, so always be prepared for the Son of Man. Now, he does say that. That's a hard risk, and I'm so reluctant because it's such a nice teaching. I'm very reluctant, and so I'm, I don't want to say I'm taking a different position from Christian teaching, but I have tried to reconcile that with the Book of Kings mm-hmm. because the ten mess, so-called messing tribes are referred to in the Bible and Jewish literature as virgins. Mm-hmm. And so, well, we're not going to take any kind of a front. I mean, this is a perfectly legitimate thought. It comes from the scriptures, and uh, it, it, you know, it it, it could be very edifying, it could be very helpful and useful. And, and I could be wrong, and people can disagree. But but here's a for example. Let me give you an example. Mm-hmm. In Matthew, you don't have to look it up, but Matthew fifteen twenty four says, uh, "I Jesus was not sent sent except to the lost sheep of Israel." What lost sheep of Israel? The ten tribes. So okay, I'll I'll accept that. I, I don't I don't really know. I've never thought about it. I know in that sense. I know, okay. and what I'm presenting is a different well, thought. That's good. That's I, good. I got you. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so what I'm what I'm suggesting is, and this is the confusion: when the ten tribes split, Israel is. Both the religious name of Jacob, mm-hmm. it's also the name of the land itself, and the nation itself. And so, but when it splits, the ten tribes take the name Israel. Yeah. But many times they will be referred for distinction purposes as Israel in Samaria. Mm-hmm. Now that helps a little bit, doesn't it? But it's, so it's a little confusing. So if we do the uh, parameters of saying, well, in this case, when we're using the name Israel. I think in the book of Kings, we're referring to the ten tribes. You know, those ten northern tribes that broke off right. after the death of Solomon. That is correct. Under Jeroboam. So it distinguishes the south by the Judah. Now, when Jesus says, I came to the lost sheep of Israel, well, we know that at that time there were, in Judah, the, the Jews, of course. I mean, there would be uh, the tribe of Judah and Benjamin, and there were other people. Uh, from the other tribes that drifted down. Mm-hmm. Now, we all agree that uh, I think that everybody sins. I think that's fair to say, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, and I think uh, we all agree that especially in Christianity, sins can be forgiven, right? Of course, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And it's by mm-hmm. Jesus, of course. And here, what I'd like to say, and you may, and I'm going to start with this premise. Is there some place that you know of, and it's okay if you don't, because I've got it right mm-hmm. in front of me, mm-hmm. where, in fact, instead of playing the game, I'll just tell you. It's uh, in 2 Corinthians mm-hmm. 11, chapter 11, verse 2. Mm-hmm. And uh, it is so interesting when we stop and we catch it, the, what it's saying. Because if a person is forgiven, they're no longer a sinner, 
But Paul himself identifies himself as 2 Corinthians 11.2. Mm-hmm. Okay. Would you like to read your version? Or? For I am jealous for you. Okay, he's talking to these Corinthians, and he says, um, Oh, that you would bear with me in a little folly, and indeed you do bear with me. For I am jealous for you with godly jealousy, for I have betrothed you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. Ah, these people were sinners. Mm-hmm. But when the sins are forgiven, even Paul says they're like a virgin. Now, a virgin doesn't refer to sex. It refers to symbolically sure, yeah. of being never having done whatever you mm-hmm, did. Mm-hmm. So it's referring to sin or no sin. Mm-hmm. So, but Paul himself, that's only one example in the New Testament. Of him using that that, yes. that verbiage. Right. And the reason I want to present and start there with this thought is this, is it's always been considered in Jewish literature that when the ten tribes come back, they're referred to as the... Um, the the ten virgins. Well, they're referred to as the virgin Israel. Mm-hmm. Now, that's the nation of the ten tribes. Individually, they are the ten. Uh, t- individually, each one would be a virgin, mm-hmm. but to, collectively, they're the na- the virgin of Israel. Mm-hmm. Now, why would that be? Because just like Paul is using it, and I'm not saying I'm right, but I'm just throwing out this idea mm-hmm. and this thought is that when the sins are forgiven, they're not talking about sex, but their sin, they, they don't have, symbolically, they don't have sins, so they're virgins, like mm-hmm. Paul says okay. right there. So when the ten tribes return, because the understanding is when they fully repent and return to God, the word in Hebrew is teshuva, mm-hmm. so they repent, they return to God, they'll return to Israel. But when they come back, they all the sins will be forgiven, mm-hmm. and they will be like Paul says, presented as a virgin. Mm-hmm. Isn't that interesting? Yes, it is. Okay. No. Yeah. Uh, in fact, uh, let me just tell you. And that hadn't happened yet? As far as I know, no. Uh, uh, um, that was a question. Oh. Uh, okay. Okay. Okay, so let me just give you another example. Now, in Jeremiah, Jeremiah thirty-one twenty-one says, mm-hmm. Set up for yourself and read the road marks. Place yourself guideposts to direct your na- your mind to the highway by which you came from. And return, O virgin Israel. Okay. Isn't that interesting? Mm-hmm. So, the, it's repeatedly used. And one of the most interesting ones is actually in Hosea. Mm-hmm. And Hosea refers to uh, the uh, virgin Israel. Yeah, Hosea is very much in this vein. I mean, the whole book of Hosea has this idea of this imagery of the virgin. I mean, Hosea actually marries an impure woman, Gomer, and she is cleansed, and he redeems her, and so on and so on. So it has a lot of that imagery in it Mm -hmm. that we're talking about. chapter 5. Amos or Hosea? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm going to go to Hosea, but let me do Amos first. Okay. Because that's the easiest to discern. Okay. Amos chapter 5, verse 1 and 2. Uh-huh. Uh, he actually says, O virgin Israel. He's mm-hmm. referring to the so-called missing tribe. The virgin Israel has fallen. She will rise no more. She lies forsaken on her land. There is no one to raise her up. Ah. 
Okay. So now, when he, the reason he says it will raise no more, he's talking about when the when the virgin Israel is the nation. In other words, the individuals, uh, groups, the tribes mm-hmm. will return. Okay. Uh, but um, but w- there will never be a formed rebellious nation again. So the nation itself will not be accepted, but they still will be coming back as, when it says they'll rise no more, he's referring to them as a rebellious nation. Mm-hmm. Okay? I'm tracking with you. All right. So, okay, now, uh, now I am going to say something that I'm not going to say that anybody has to agree with me, and I'm very respectful, and I really like the way you presented the story. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do want to say that this is just something I've tried to reconcile this mm-hmm. because I think Second Kings is what he's referring to because it's referring to when the ten tribes were taken away. And when they return, they'll be like virgins, all sins forgiven, you might say. And I'm not saying it's a sin to have sex. That's not what that's referring right. to. Right. We're not talking about that. So, so what's happening is he comes back and it talks about um, five foolish virgins, five um, five. Wise. Wise. Mm-hmm. So what's happening is, now here's what takes place in the book of Kings in summary. On one occasion, um, I'm sorry, I was getting a wind or something. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, On one occasion, Hezekiah and, uh, and his predecessor invites members of the ten tribes to come back to Jerusalem. Yes. And uh, come on down for Passover. Well, uh, people from uh, five tribes do. Mm -hmm. They go down. Jeroboam, as you said, he led, became the king of the ten tribes. What did he do? He actually blocked Mm -hmm. the road coming back. Now, you know the story you just read. They came and knocked on the door. And uh, Jesus is telling the story in there. And he says, and the, uh, the bridegroom said, you can't come in. Well, I don't think the bridegroom is Jesus at all. I think it's Jeroboam. Because I could not reconcile that Jesus say, I know you got here. And I'm still here. And I hear you knocking. I know your intent was, well, you went to get some oil. What's the problem? But I'm sorry it's too late. You can't get to heaven. That, in my mind, conflicts with the Christian idea that you can make a deathbed confession and be forgiven. I have difficulty with that. From what I understand, that anybody can just say I'm not smart. That's okay. But I know this. So what he does is the guy comes and they knock. That is the story of the guys who went down for Passover, I think, from the book of Kings. And they came back and they couldn't get back. He wouldn't let them back in because he, Jeroboam, was afraid that they could honor and be contaminated with wanting to join up with Judah and Benjamin and become part of the nation, original nation of Israel again. So he kept them out. Now, so I, I know that's going to be a conflict. Well, don't worry. I mean, okay. we understand. We're okay. okay, well, you're being very nice. <coughs> okay, so he goes, so uh, there's five virgins that went to get the oil. They were foolish because, according to the story, they were down. Okay. Now, the question comes up. Historically, historically, I'm not taking away from any meanings. Mm-hmm. Historically, what is the oil and the money? And we will look hopefully here in the kings in a minute, and you will see these kings of the northern nation of Israel, 
the ten tribes, they were paying ransoms to the king, bribes to the king of Assyria to not conquer them. Mm -hmm. And finally, at the end, one of the kings, uh, Menachem, he made everybody cough up money. Mm -hmm. And you think, wow. Uh, so he's paying it, but that didn't work. Assyria still, they, they did it. And when we go on and we read in chapter 25 about the one guy, I had tr- I have, I'm being honest, I have some trouble when I read it, and it says, uh, it says, I knew you were a mean man and you mm-hmm. charged interest. Well, I'm going to suggest to you, number one, the bridegroom is Jeroboam, it is not Jesus. No, he didn't say you charge interest. He says, I knew you were re- that you reap where you did not sow. Okay. All right. Now, let's say that it is Jeroboam is the bridegroom. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So let's say you reap where you do not sow. That's consistent with Assyria. Now, you're moving to the, the second parable now. Uh, well, about the, yes, the, talents, the five talents. The money, yes. Huh? So I think Jeroboam is, is the bridegroom, not Jesus. And I from think, the t- from the from the wise men, from the uh, uh, virgins parable. Yes, yeah, I, you're moving back and forth between the two parables, and I just want to make sure the listeners stay with well, us. Well, see, they know I guess I don't do. view them as separate. I, the, I view all three: the oil, the lamps, and the ten virgins is all one story when I read it. So oh, I'm, oh, I apologize. Okay. Because so what happens is uh, they come back and they went to get oil for their lamps, mm-hmm. right? Ah, uh, mm-hmm. so. What is the lamp? And in the book of Kings, we, we, now I'm not saying this is, maybe it's different, but here's the answer. If you've got your Bible handy, do you have a Bible to see? Uh, right here in my lap, yeah. Let's see two verses. Does the book of Kings give us the definition of a lamp? You're talking about Second Kings now? No, well, we got first, we've got to actually go to First Kings. Okay. Go to First Kings for our definition of what a lamp is from according to the Book of Kings. And the first one, go to chapter First King, chapter eleven, verse thirty-five, thirty-six. Okay. First Kings eleven, thirty-five, thirty-six. But I will take the kingdom out of his son's hand and give it to you, ten tribes. <clears throat> thirty-five, thirty-six. <clears throat> I will not take the whole kingdom out of his hand, uh, out of Solomon's hand. Uh, so and so, I will take the kingdom out of his sons, out of out of uh, Rehoboam's hand, and give it to you ten tribes. And to his son, I will give one tribe, that my servant David may always have a lamp before ah, me lamp. In, Jer- in Jerusalem, the city which I have chosen for myself right. to put my name there. A lamp is the <clears throat> kingship. The kingship. Okay. So that's what they're saying. The lamp was the kingship. Now here's the other one. First Kings, just a couple chapters ahead. Chapter 15. Okay. And that's verse 4. Ooh, chapter 15. Come on now. Where are you? That's, that comes after 11, but before I 16. Know. Yeah. I have, uh, Maybe okay. your Bible's laid out differently. I don't there you know. go. 15. What verse now? Uh, verse 4. Oh, okay. Starts down at the bottom of the page. Nevertheless, for David's sake, the Lord his God gave him a lamp in uh, Jerusalem uh, by setting up his son after him and by establishing Jerusalem. Ah, so there you have another time. We have two solid definitions that lamp is the kingship, the kingship of David given to Solomon. So lamps. So they went to get oil for their lamp. For who? For their 
according to the book of Kings, their king. Who's their king in the northern ten kingdoms, uh, ten tribes? It was Rehoboam, who led them into terrible sins because he set up the... Jeroboam. Jeroboam. Thank you. You're right. So we've got, that's right, Jeroboam, that's right, I shouldn't say. Well, Jeroboam wasn't all that good either, but he was in, <laughs> he was in the south. Yeah. So let's see, what in the world does the Torah in the book of Kings... We're going to run out of time, so we need to get to what did Jesus, what was Jesus actually thinking? Jesus was saying that the hero of the story is the man who buried the talent in the ground and paid no interest. He is... That's what I'm going to say. It's Jeroboam is the so-called bridegroom, and the hero of the story is not the one that paid the interest. That's forbidden in God's law and the Torah. It's, and then they're going to pay the less interest. That's also forbidden. And the other guy says, I buried wait, it. Wait, wait, wait. You know what? We've gotten confused. I'm confused. Okay, we've left the parable of the ten virgins. Now we're dealing with the parable of the... Uh, uh, of the um, the the landowner or the businessman who gave his three servants uh, measures of talents, measures of gold, uh, wealth. Yes. He gave them money. Uh-huh. Then he went away, and he wanted them to uh, invest, to use that money to for him, and yes. and so on. So he did not charge interest. Yes, he did. Look at the story. Look at this, chapter 25 in Matthew. Uh, um, okay. And what I'm saying is, that maybe the story means exactly what you're saying. However, I will say this, that there's, and when I read it, I have difficulty because they're charging interest. Oh, you think that that's interest. That's what you, th- okay, well, what our music is coming up, so we have to. But I'm sorry, I was just trying to answer your question. See, I, when I, got, I don't see that as him charging interest. I'm saying he gave his servants money, yeah. and he expected them to invest it and to produce money for him. Okay. I don't consider that interest. Right. He didn't, he didn't, he didn't give them money. He loaned them money and said, okay, go make some money with this and so on. I, that's not. I've never thought of that as. Oh, he was charging them interest. Well, the version because I, all the money was his. Well, the vert perhaps. Well, we got to go. We'll be right back, folks. Don't go wait. I sing a song of the saints of God, patient and brave and true, who toiled and fought and lived and died. For the Lord they loved and knew And one was a doctor and one was a queen Alright, we are back. we got one more segment. We're talking about the concepts of the ten northern tribes as being the uh, virgin Israel. And as Jacob read it from a Jewish perspective, and he reads in the New Testament here this parable, about the ten virgins, his mind automatically went to the idea of the the, the Jewish concept that comes from the you know some of the passages read to us already, and he's thinking that maybe Jesus quite possibly might have had he's a Jewish man talking to Jewish people that he may have been talking uh, about in other words he may have been using that. Uh, applying that understanding about the Jewish Israel and and telling these stories about these um, the wedding and these ten virgins and five of them had oil and five of them didn't have oil and so on and so I'm, I'm um, 
And we've moved on from that parable to the second parable in chapter 25 of Matthew about the man uh, who, the, who gave talents to his uh, a, a quantity of money, gave money to his servants, five talents of, of uh, let's say, uh, the talents are not talents. Like, I know how to play the piano. I know how to play the guitar. I have a talent. These, these are quantities of money that he gives to them. To the one, he gives five talents, five weights of gold. The other, he gives two, let's say. The other, he gives one. And they uh, they take and use them and invest them while he's away in a far country. And he comes back, and the one with five has increased. Now, he has five more talents that he's made with the money. The other one with two has two more talents that he gained with the by investing and working with the money. And then the one with one did not work with his money. He buried it and he gives him the one he gives him the one uh talent back. And the the master is displeased with him. He does not say well done. He says, You wicked lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown, and gather where I have not scattered seed, which was what the servant had said. So you ought to have deposited my money at least with the bankers, and I and at my coming I would have received at least back my own with interest. Uh, therefore, take the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten. And to every, for everyone, the point seems to be for to everyone who has more will be given, and he will have abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. Cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And so, it, that's the story. So let's come back then to the, the point about. Israel, the virgins, and so on. Well, if, here's the point. If the ten virgins that Jesus refers to, if, if those are the nation, the virgin nation Israel, made up of the ten virgins, if they are, then the story would have to be discerned from looking in the book of Kings. And when we look in the book of Kings, the, all the kings of Assyria start charging money. They get paid money to not... Because they, they are controlling and conquering the ten mm-hmm. tribes north the northern division yeah. Israel. If they're charging money, for example, in uh, let's see, uh, the last one is well here's one example. In chapter second Kings chapter fifteen, verse twenty. Uh, it says Menachem collected money from all Israel. Every wealthy man had to pay the king of Assyria 50 shekels. Uh The king of Assyria then turned back and did not remain in the land. So they keep taxing more and more and more, these taxes. Mm -hmm. uh, It's what they call, they're paying tribute. Well, they're, yeah, they're, so, Israel yeah. is paying tribute to uh, Assyria keep, in the north from getting to keep from getting invaded, yes. Okay. So, but what I'm saying is, <clears throat> if the ten virgins that Jesus referred to, and historically the nation of those ten tribes is called the virgin Israel, each individual tribe would be a virgin upon returning and repenting, then if that's true, then I looked for the story in the book of Kings. Are these people from Assyria? Are they charging money? Yes. Well, where is the money coming from? Well, the king, whoever it is, in the ten northern tribes, he's forcing the ten northern tribes to cough up money. So he can give it to the king of Assyria in the north. Every successive Assyrian king. Mm -hmm. And so as you go down through, you'll find that they're all paying this money. And finally, when this uh, 
and Menachem was going to come in. Now they had to pay this tremendous amount. And so, and he turned over all the money. So I'm saying, if that's the tin virgin story, where does the money fit? The money fits only, as I can figure out, you know, somebody can differ, I can only figure out that the money fits by collecting the money from Israel and paying it. And I will be very honest with you, with a couple of versions I have been looking at, the NASB, the King James, New King James, it does use the word interest. But what troubled me is when the man says, I knew you were a bad man. That okay, so you're going to the other parable. Okay, I keep getting confused. About, I we started all talking confused. about the ten virgins, and it relates to the book of Kings, no, the virgin I'm, Israel. It's very simple, Soapy. Where's the if, money in the parable of the king virgins, or the virgins? Because if the <clears> ten <throat> tribes are the ten virgins, then we have to look in the book of Kings to find out what was going on and what they were doing the ten virgins of northern Israel was paying money too. And therefore... But there there's no money in the parable of the, virg of the virgins. It's oil. Five of them have a lamp. They don't have oil. And five of them have lamps after, with oil. There's yeah. no money involved there. What? Because what? after... Because they went up there. The oil is the Torah. The lamp is the kingship. The, I think the bridegroom is Jeroboam and his successive kings. And they were taxing the ten tribes. And if that's the ten virgins that's being referred to, if it is, okay. then. So the, the oil is what is being no, no, taxed. No, that, that story is completed. Where I, all we're doing is identifying if the ten tribes, and we do have the, ten, the nation of the ten tribes, being called a virgin throughout the Old Testament. So if that's who Jesus is referring to when he's telling the story, mm -hmm. then because otherwise he's telling a story that would be an, almost a non sequitur to people unless they had a familiarization with the background of the ten tribes. And he's talking to people that know their own history. Now, And it does refer to them. So once we've established that that's who we're talking about, now we take a step further. Then I go over to the book of Kings and say, well, is there a spot going into the talent portion of chapter 25 from Matthew? Is there a spot where money's being taken? And the answer is yes, and it gets successively more oppressive. And then the last king is guy in the northern tribes is a guy named Hosea, not the Hosea in the Bible. Mm -hmm. He doesn't want to pay. Assyria invades and conquers those ten tribes, and that's when they get conquered and taken away. Mm -hmm. Now, if that is that story, if, then what we're saying is in Jesus' story is when that's the guy that said, I knew you were a bad man and you reaped where you did not sow. Well, I don't think that would be true. Uh, I would seem to me Jesus was definitely reaping where he was definitely sowing. But if this is the story about the ten virgins, what goes on about the so-called money, the talents, and the guy says, I'm not going to pay you anymore, that's when Assyria invades. And that's when they're taken. Now, if that's the story, if, that Jesus is referring to when he says that uh, this one guy refuses to pay, if that's King Hosea in the book of Second Kings, then it starts making sense, at least to me. Now, I'm not saying anybody has to say I'm right. But, but what's the point of the parable? The point of the parable is the guy that did right was the one that refused to pay the tribute, as you call it. 
And so the one that buried it in the ground, he would be the hero of the story from that point of view. Now, somebody could totally disagree with me. So why is he, why is he condemned by the master and because cast into bad, outer darkness? The masters can be bad guys or good guys. And if I'm, a, if I'm a mafia don and I have guys working for me, I'm a bad guy, but I expect my bad guys to obey me. Boy, that it. So, what is the point of the virgins' story? The virgins is because that sets up who they are. I think. So, if that's who we're talking about, and we have pretty strong evidence that those ten tribes are constantly referred to in the Old Testament as the virgins. But it isn't obligatory that just because he talked about ten virgins that it has to be referring to absolutely nothing. He might have walked up and said, "Let me tell you a story. I'm going to make up uh, something you guys never heard about." And I'm going to talk about ten virgins. And he starts talking about that. Now, if that's what he did. Well, he tells a story. He tells a story. Tells there were ten him. virgins. That were, right. It's a wedding picture. And, and if they – Israel is forbidden to have polygamy. Mm-hmm. So you can't have ten virgins marrying one guy. No. <laughs> that wasn't the point of the virgin. They're not ma- – they were waiting for the bridegroom. Well, you said and it's a wedding story. I'm responding to that. No, they were waiting for the bridegroom and his new bride to return for for the festival, for the celebration, the return, uh, and so they they were they were waiting. In other words, okay, I'm trying to give you a chance to give that perspective, well, sort of, it, yeah. it, but it, it, I'm not quite sure I'm putting it together. But it, it it's, it's okay, it's, it's okay, a tough, and it's even a tough if you put it together, right you can say I'm all wet. No, I'm not going to say that. You no. say you have you believe what you believe, and you I, I, see what you see, I'm and you're offering it as I, a. If I identify, to mm-hmm. me, I'm thinking if he went up and he starts telling a story about ten virgins and the crowd he knows that he's familiar with the term the messing so-called messing mm-hmm. ten tribes are the nation the virgin nation Israel okay. and the, each tribe is a virgin. Yeah. If he starts talking about that. Then I, I'm, I'm assuming that's what he's talking about. If that is who we've identified, okay. then it starts making sense. And I, we do know this. We do know this from Chronicles and Kings. That's that Hezekiah and his predecessor invited some of the people down for Passover. When they came back, Jeroboam had blocked the road. I think that's the locked door that Jesus is referring to with the ten virgins. But having established that, if that's right. Then we got to go to is I go over to the book Kings to say, well, is that the story that Jesus is referring to? And I start looking. Is there people that have to pay money to this king of Assyria? And it seems to be yes. And uh, and, and they can't. They should not be doing that. But they are. Oh, so twenty five goes in then into Matthew twenty five. He talks about this talents. Uh. Okay. Uh, well, I, I I tell you what, we we, are, we really don't have a whole lot of time left. But well, I've I've, that's, kind of, I've made my erratic point. Oh, uh, there you go. I, I um, and can we go far so far to say this? This is something that I've suggested, only suggesting that is rather unfamiliar to you, and perhaps even uncomfortable and even distasteful. No. Not in the I least. Don't. Not in the least. Not I'm in not the so least. Sure about that. I, I, in other words, all you're doing is no. I, this is fine. He, Jesus is a Jew. He's talking to Jewish well, can people. Can we say this much? He can might we say very well. That you're, uh, this is something that is, does not. You're familiar paradigm. 
Well, I've heard it before. You and I have talked about this before. So yes. I've known about it before. This is not my first time to hear it. Uh, it, it it's, in other words, you're, you're, you're reading as a Jewish person with that background, and you know about the ten tribes and the idea that they were called sometimes the virgin tribes of Israel and so on. And so as you read this, your mind just automatically slipped to that. Our Gentile minds don't do that. Right. We just read Jesus is telling a story, and we go, that's "Oh, right. that's really great." He, sure. you know, and and it's a story about, uh, frankly, uh, the, both all of these these two parables. Both of them are about the idea of, hey, you don't have forever to make this decision about right. salvation. You know, uh, you get your heart right with God, uh, trust in Him. In, in other words, uh, the the virgins, the five foolish virgins, they weren't prepared for the coming of the bridegroom. When he came, now, and so that, they got anyway, left out. May I ask you a hard question? Not to put uh-huh, you on sure, the spot. Sure, sure. Does that trouble you? No. No. Well, you didn't hear my question. I said, I you even said asked, it before. Could I ask you a question? I know. You said that question and before. You said, yes, yeah. so, okay. Well, my point is if they went out to find oil for the lamps, they weren't doing something bad, they were doing something good. They but, did something bad. They weren't. They weren't prepared. Then I guess I can't ask you the question. Well, go ahead. You said the question just twenty minutes ago, and I well, know what you're going to say. But go ahead, ask the question then again. What I'm saying is, is if they went out and they came back, and if the bridegroom is Jesus, which I'm willing to accept that idea. Okay. Why wouldn't he say, "Well, okay, I'm here. You're still here. Great, come on in." Because the point that he's making with both of these parables is that there is a cutoff time. There, there is a time after which you're not able to choose God and to come. We're, now is the time of salvation. Today is the day of salvation. You know, make, make, now uh, appointed into man once to die and after that judgment, the idea. Well, and so the point of both of those parables seems to be Get right with God. You well, know, here's my trouble as perhaps an unsophisticated. So it's like, let me just give quickly one more little. Jesus, okay, one day we believe the clouds are going to split mm-hmm. and Jesus the Christ is going to return now as, a, as king. Not as the Savior, not as the atoning Savior, the suffering servant, and yeah. so on. But he's going to be the king to establish his kingdom. And the people who have trusted him and, and, and trusted in him and received by faith the gift of salvation, they will, we will rise to be with him forever and so on and so on. That, that's the idea. He's going to come back for his people. But if you're not his people, if you have not accepted him, you've not trusted in him, you're not, you haven't done that, then at that point, you're not going to go into God's kingdom forever. You're, there's the other alternative, okay. and I don't know exactly I've, I've what it is. I've heard you out. May I finish now? Uh-huh, Sure. So, here's the problem. As an unsophisticated reader, perhaps, that I'm not catching what you're mm-hmm. understanding. And that's entirely possible. But what I'm saying is, I have always understood in the Christian thought that you can make a deathbed confession and you'll be accepted. This is after deathbed. Well, this is it? after Jesus is returning. See, that's, the okay. time of decision Let's is in say, this life. Le- May I finish? Uh-huh. I just want to be sure this time. Yeah, you can make a deathbed conversion. Of okay. course we know that. Well, yeah. these people in the story are not dead. They're at the door knocking. Uh, that's not the point. The point is they're dead. 
No, the point is the Messiah, the Savior, has returned. He has come back, oh. and well, they I, are too late. They well, weren't prepared. Okay, well, then perhaps, there used to be an old song. Perhaps, uh, uh, I remember back from the 60s. Well, what perhaps, you want to do I, if I'm you not looking to late. antagonize anybody yeah. or upset anybody. Well, and, per, and perhaps I'm an unsophisticated reader that's not catching what's being said. No, you're not. You're, this, I don't, I don't there's no that. animus at all. And, and what I, I'm just trying to uh, get – the other well, I'm not view of to, the, I'm not trying to argue. I know you're not. The, uh, but there are two views. There are two different views and, and of the I'm parable. And I want to concede you may be valuable. And, and I'm, I'm just gonna, trying to explain the one. Is, it's not that he's a hard, cruel man. Let's say this, that that view you're espousing is 100% correct, and I accept that in the Christian frame of reference. Mm-hmm. Now I think that's the end of that. Oh, okay. Uh, but what I was wanting, hoping that you would cover, as we talked earlier, is from the book of Kings talking about the Samaritans. Uh, this is what we talked about before the, the program, that, that it's out of this, th- these captured ten tribes in the north that, that uh, Sennacherib and other emperors of, of Assyria took them. They never returned them. But later, that, uh, later they migrated. They sent people from other nations, language, uh, religions, and so on, and implanted them in Samaria. And so that created this situation that we know about in the New Testament. Uh, it looks like, you know, the, remember the Jesus talking to the Samaritan woman uh, in his parable about the good Samaritan and so on. Uh, you have this presence, the Samaritan presence, and well, wanting to kind of figure out well, that it wasn't racial. Or eth- it wasn't racial. They it, weren't racist. No. But, but there was but a. Why would Jesus tell that story? Why would he pick the Samaritan to be the good guy? Because in the same story, I don't know. doesn't he say there was a Levite that passed and there was a priest that sure, passed? Sure, yeah. And he's talking about a Samaritan. Well, I, I'm assuming that he's showing the fact that he's not a racist. He's saying that. The, anybody be, could be good, whether you're Jewish or or, or Samaritan or right. Gentile. Anybody can be good. It, right. the, in other words, the the aspect of being right with God and being good is not a racial or ethnic. Com- and, and so he chose someone kind of out of the, you know, not a Jewish mainstream guy to to say, yeah, uh, even a Samaritan can be a good man, a good person. He loves his and so on. So I guess would that Answer your question? Uh, I think I agree with you. I think he's saying, look, we know these people are idol worshipers. Mm-hmm. They're not. They don't believe in the same God. But they still can do good stuff. Well, not all of them may have even been idol worshipers. Well, I kind of want to play on the idea that you suggest, and I do not disagree mm-hmm. with, that generally speaking, generally speaking, there probably was a resentment mm-hmm. among these people that got transposed into Israel. Yeah. So the Jews probably don't like that. The the people that were Jew, Jew, the Jews were taken, they didn't like the Jews over there either. Mm-hmm. So let's say that that is a general concept. Okay. And it wasn't based on race, as you mm-hmm. well point out. But he's saying, look, these people... They can be idol worshippers, but they can still do some good stuff here. I'm not sure that would be where I would go. Okay. I, I would say, in general, the population up there may be idol worshippers or unbelievers in, in any level of unbelief, but there could be believers among them. There could be people who do know God and serve, love God and want to serve. And, and the other story that we could look to about that would be the Samaritan woman at the well. Mm-hmm. That Jesus went and spoke with her. She came to be a believer. 
in him as the Messiah, and she took him to the village, and they had a great spiritual revival in in her little village. Uh, many people believed and trusted in Christ as Messiah, as a, as his witness. So uh, it 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 seems like he's making the in point the you're making Kings, is that we may find some enlightenment in the Book of Kings itself. Okay, because in the Book of Kings and Second Kings, it's talking about that they came to the. Let's see if I can find it. They came to the. Uh, they came to Israel, and I know since we only got a moment, I'll just tell you they came to Israel, mm-hmm. and said that they were worshiping their gods, but also blended make uh, what's in a uh, synchronization uh-huh. uh, with the, with the God of Israel. So they were doing both syncretism. Syncretism. Mm-hmm. Thank mm-hmm. you. That's it. And so they were trying to do both, but then, uh, but things weren't going well. So they sent a Jewish priest back to because the Assyrians had the idea. Well, there's a God in that land, and we got to teach these people they put mm-hmm. over there how to do it. Mm-hmm. But they were combining the two. Mm-hmm. So when this woman at the well is doing that, that's really what she's doing. And so Jesus, I really saying, look, you. you yeah, guys. right. Because she refers to the mountain of God, and right. and we know on your on that mountain, and we know that when the Messiah comes, so they have the concept of the Messiah, the Redeemer. Evidently, uh, maybe she kind of borrowed that from Judaism. I don't know, but uh, yeah, they they do have some different concepts and all. And she is, she's kind of a. Um, well, I, that's what I kind of want to get to. That I think the principle of the story is mm-hmm. that you cannot mix religions. You cannot make one religion for the whole world. You can't have no, make, no. But yeah, exactly. I agree. I think that's the point of this story, and I think that's the point of what's going on in Second Kings when the Samaritans are there. They're amalgamating and making one universal religion. Everybody gets to God. Everybody's got one religion. And I think what's going on is the theme is you can't take opposite religions and blend them all together and just make it one religion. Well, I think the theme is the religion religion doesn't get us anywhere, anywhere. And my definition of religion is, you know, an organized religious system here on planet Earth. <clears throat> I think there is a level that God deals with human beings that goes beyond religion, beyond finances, beyond race, beyond education, beyond uh, intelligence. Beyond God deals with the heart of every human being and those who truly long for him and seek him with all, and, and trust in him and his mercy, his grace, is that, that and only God knows. We can on, on the... Only God knows whose heart is right, who is God truly seeking him. And and so we can't, I can't judge at that level. But what I'm saying is that what we have is a message that says if you long for God and truly desire him, you can have a confident, secure, eternal relationship with God through faith in his redemptive plan, through faith in the Redeemer, the Savior that he has sent. And so – it does get fuzzy. It does get well, mixed here, here's up. It's not example. a matter of religion, Second though. Second Kings 17.32. They worship God. Say again. The God, what, what the passage? Second Kings 17.32. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. It says they worship God, the God of Israel, in the land of Israel. Uh-huh. But they also appointed priests for their local altars and among themselves to perform their rites and the temple at their altars. The 33. They worship God and serve, but serve their gods. At any rate, that's the end of that. So anyway, as I always like to say, always try to be the kind of person that you would like to have for a picture.
All right, folks. Thank you for joining us tonight uh, from the books of First and Second Kings and kind of transposing it over into the book of Matthew and what Jesus might have been teaching in terms of these virgin, ten virgins and so on. I, it's kind of interesting. I'm, I hope you've enjoyed it and you kind of got your own thoughts about it. And, uh, been the Bible Talk Live to you later. is dedicated to helping restore the Bible to our culture and is brought to you by Crew Military Ministry. Mailing address is P.O. Box 18888. That's Box 18888. San Antonio, Texas 78218. Hear the entire Bible every year on The Bible Live, weeknights at 9.30 on this great station. Then join Soapy every Sunday evening at 9 o'clock for fun, inspiration, and valuable prizes on The, the Bible, Bible Live, Live Quiz Show. Show. Visit our website, BibleLive.com. That's BibleLive.com for more information about Soapy and the Bible Live broadcast. You may also order materials at the website and make tax-deductible donations to help crew military minister to our military personnel and broadcast the entire Bible every year to America and the world. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.